The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And he swings! Happy February and welcome back to The Call Up, your go-to podcast on all things MLB prospects. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton, and in today's episode, we have a really good one. It's a Wednesday, so we have a prospect interview Wednesday. If you didn't catch the new schedule, we'll be doing farm system rundowns on Monday by individual teams. Wednesday will be prospect interviews, which I'm really excited to do every week here, and we have an awesome one today with Kyle Nicholas of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then Friday is more of that freestyle Friday. We'll be talking about updates across minor league landscape, of course, just individual prospect analysis. And also, I can bet you I will be talking about that Keith Law top 100 list uh, because that needs its own episode in itself. Wow, was that interesting. But what also was interesting in a better way was this interview with Kyle Nicholas. And I think Pittsburgh Pirates fans are going to be really excited to see this guy pitch this year. He is a special talent who got better and better as the year went on. And that was the thing with Kyle Nicholas is I loved the pick by the Marlins as a guy who grew up, you know, rooting for the Marlins. It was exciting. Because I got to watch a lot of Kyle in the Cape League, in the Cape Cod League when I was broadcasting out there and really got to see how talented he is, how much life the fastball has, how nasty the breaking ball is. And I just knew that this guy was on the cusp of really being able to put it together and being a really exciting pitcher. And we saw more and more of that as the year went on. And there's a reason, as I say a couple times in the interview, there's a reason why the Pirates targeted Kyle Nicholas, who was traded in the Jacob Stallings deal. The Marlins went and got their catcher. Kyle Nicholas was traded along with Zach Thompson, big league starter, as well as former first-round pick Connor Scott. So a nice haul for the Pirates, but... I think Kyle is going to be the best piece out of that deal. I'm not just saying that because he was nice enough to come on the show. I I really do believe that. And you'll get a little bit more of an idea why as you hear his mentality and also just get a chance to watch him a little bit because we go through some of his pitches and everything that's on our YouTube where he does a breakdown of some of his mechanics, what he's doing in certain counts. And that's something we'll be doing as well after I have someone on the podcast if they're willing to. And it seems like everybody loves it so far. 
and Kyle was more than willing, we just hop on to another video call on StreamYard where we are able to play some video from his starts or video from swings, which I did with Griffin Conine a couple weeks back as well. And they can kind of just take us through what they are thinking, what they're working on and what they're doing out there on the mound or at the plate. I think it's really cool. And I'm really excited to continue to do that. And Kyle's breakdown was awesome, especially on some of his nasty sliders and fastballs that just gassed guys up. So without further delay, here is new pitching prospect for the Pirates, Kyle Nicholas. And here is Kyle Nicholas, new pitching prospect with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, you know, it it pains me to say it. I I was so pumped when the Marlins took you. Uh, It was so cool to see you go from, you know, Katuit, where I got to watch you pitch day in and day out, and then over to the Marlins. But a really good opportunity for you in Pittsburgh. And the season's getting closer. And Kyle, uh, I'm sure you got to be amped up to get started this year after the great finish last year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm getting excited, ready, ready to, uh, get back out there for year two and, and, you know, new home, new place, new teammates. Um, so, you know, always just got to go out there and, and control what you can control. Obviously some things happen, uh, some things happen, but, um, you know, I'm just excited to, to go out and pitch again. Yeah. And I mean, last year, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, the Pirates end up asking for you in a deal uh, to, when the Marlins are looking to satisfy their catching spot. It's because you pitched really well uh, down the stretch, starting in high A and then finishing strong in double A. Uh, I talked to you early in the season uh, out in South Bend when I went out there to catch a series. And, and one thing you said to me is you're like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm not really where I want to be velo wise. You know, I, w- I want to have a little right. bit more life there. And, and that came not long after mm-hmm. uh, that started to show up. And yeah. that was a big difference, at least from on my side of things I, I was watching start for start. You just started blowing it by guys a bit more. And it mm-hmm. seemed like you just kind of got back into that game shape as the season endured after, you know, no 2020. And it seemed like that right. was a common thing. Was that part of the success as you started to get better and better? Was it just feeling like your stuff was kind of back to the Kyle Nicholas stuff that you've always had. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, w- I would agree with that. Definitely the fastball started playing better. Um, not only cause you know, I was kind of up and down with Vila, like you said, started off the year throwing hard, kind of dipped down then went back up and then kind of finished um, kind of lower, uh, lower Vila on the fastball. But honestly, the biggest thing for me was just using all my pitches, all my pitches more. Um that just helped my fastball play that much better. Um, you know, I was kind of leaning heavily on the fastball there for like the first couple months, throwing it like some like 70% of the time. And, you know, once, once hitters see that in the scouting report, you know, they know it's coming. I know I'm throwing it. So, um, you know, the margin for error when both sides are like knowing what's going on, um, it's, it's pretty small. So, you know, I kind of, kind of learned, I, it was just a learning process, you know, learning to, to mix pitches and when to mix pitches and, and when to go with my heater. Um, so, I mean, that, that was definitely a big stepping stone for me this, this year and help the fastball play more for sure. And in double A, I mean, the, the, I mean, high A is tough, but 
the double A talent this year, especially with no 2020 season, I think people that listen to the podcast are probably sick of me saying it, but it's something I've always emphasized because on both sides, right? I mean, uh, the offensive prospects that you were facing day in and day out, uh, there's a lot of quality there, especially when you get to some teams like the Rays, where it seems like nobody strikes out. I mean, I know like Jonathan Aranda, for example, Uh, is a guy that he's just impossible to get out, right? Like his bat to ball skills, but Austin Shenton, Xavier Edwards, just, just scrappy, good hitters that will make you work. Um, And and that goes across to some other teams in the league that you had to face a lot too. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you kind of change things up against guys that you start to see more and more? Uh, Because that's the, that's the crazy thing about the minors, especially last year is you were seeing six game series. So you you were almost guaranteed, you know, uh, to see that team to pitch sometimes maybe even twice in the series if it lined up, unfortunately uh, for you, how did you do that and mix up and and how did that factor into the sequencing and, and getting guys out there while also still trying to trust your best pitch, which I would say is still that fastball that can Mm -hmm. have so much life. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say, you know, when, when you make that jump, it's all about just executing better. Um, You know, you're going to see, hopefully you're going to see a lot of the guys for a long time. And um, you know, as you work your way through the minor leagues, so you honestly, everyone knows what you got, basically. You know you know what you have, but it's also the day-to-day. So one day I'll be like, oh, you know, I'm out there in the bullpen. The curveball doesn't feel great. You know, I might lean heavier on my slider. Um, or, you know, fastball, I'm feeling a good glove side, but not too much arm side. I'm going to lean heavy on that side. Um, so honestly, it's just working with what you have that day. Um, but being able to execute is definitely the biggest thing um, that I saw. And I did a better job at double at, uh, A than high A at doing that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the talent was, the talent was there for sure. And those are the, those are the toughest guys. Like you're talking about the Rays, that, that team, like the guys that, that aren't just the free swingers that'll fight off pitches to wait till they get their pitch. I mean, those are, just the most annoying guys to pitch to, but, um, you know, every good team has them. That's what makes them a good hitter. So, you know, you just got to be better than them sometimes. Yeah. I mean, and watching those starts, man, I could see you like making great pitches. Sometimes you execute a great pitch, you set it up perfectly. And these guys are, some of them are still just fouling it off. Same thing with Max Meyer, same thing with anybody on the mountain. When, when, when that happens, I mean, that's got to be a little bit demoralizing right. as a pitcher, right? Like you execute it perfectly and they yeah. spoil it. Yeah. How do you kind of fight through yeah. that on the mound, right? Because it, once you show them every pitch, mm-hmm. that's advantage hitter, of course. Right. What's the pitcher mentality there? Do you go back to the express and just try and blow by them? I mean, what what's really the thought there when when they've seen everything already and yeah. you, know, you got to go back in there and, and get after them? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, like you say, you throw that, you're like, oh, it felt good. And then you see him just just fight it off. And you're like, dang, like that one, I, I felt like I was going to get him there. Um, but honestly, it's just it's just seeing the hitter's reaction and, and what their swing's looking like. So they're late on it, whatever pitch it is, you know, you have options after that. Um, and it's all just part of the process kind of thing. Like throughout the game, that's, that's kind of what I like as um, – like being a starter, um, you kind of have this whole, this whole game inside the game where it's like, you know, I'm going to show them this, this at bat. Um, if I think I can get, get through this at bat with just th- this pitch or these two pitches. 
um, you know, that'll help me out later in the game. Um, so that's what I enjoy. You know, it's just, just the battles and, um, you know, you definitely get a lot of them. What, what would you say the biggest jump was uh, and biggest adjustment from high A to double A? Uh, I mean, you started, like you said, you, you had a little bit of that, like, good start with the velo, it dropped off a little bit, and then you really were just dealing at the end of high A with a lot mm-hmm. of momentum going into double A. What was the big jump or adjustment for you uh, making that that jump from high A to double A mm-hmm. in terms of just making those adjustments? For me, it was just trusting all my pitches. Um, I started throwing my curveball a lot more, started throwing my slider a lot more, my changeup too. I started throwing it a little more. I still didn't throw it very much, but you know, just working, just working all the pitches in and, and being able to land them for strikes, being able to throw them in the dirt, make them look like a strike for a long time. And, and honestly, for me, for my changeup, it was just throwing it because after like two and a half months, hitters were just writing it off. Like he's not even going to throw it. So once I, and I throw it, they just, it's a, it was like an auto take at that point. I was like, All right, I can like steal one here, maybe steal one later. Um, so for me, it was just mixing all my pitches and, and knowing when to throw them. And, um, you know, the pitching coaches that I had in Beloit and in Pensacola really helped me with that. Um, you know, just, just working, working through that, um, that phase where I was just throwing off fastballs and just letting me know like, Hey, like you got to change, like this has to change. You have to throw all your pitches, um, at like at any time. So, you know, I kind of really bought into that. Um, you know, I knew, I knew I had to do that, but when I'm on the mound and I see fastball get put down, I'm like, you know, I like my fastball a lot. So, you know, it's not a, not a terrible option, but like at some point, hitters are that they get paid to, to play the game too. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to catch one. And, and, you know, that when that happens, it's like, dang, like maybe I should have thrown something else there. Um, just, just stuff like that, but just mixing all my pitches, finding the right time to throw them. Um, that really led to my success for like the second half of the year. Yeah, well, something that really stands out to me is the the home runs and how it dropped a lot uh, in terms of how many you allowed once you got called up to double A, which usually it's the other way around, right? I mean, you get up to double A, the guys are better hitters, they have a better idea of what you're going to throw. But uh, the home run to fly ball rate dropped by more than a third from 19% to 6% or just for the basic counting stat, 13 home runs in 60 innings in high A versus just three home runs in nearly 40 innings in double A. Uh, what would you attribute that to? Is is that using the other pitches? Is it because it's harder to go yard off the breaking balls, trusting it more? How, what, how are you able to keep the ball in the yard a bit better or a lot better uh, yeah. in double A? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely say like using the other pitches as well, but I mean, obviously another thing is command. So if you look, I'd say probably in high A, what was it? 13? 13 homers in yep. high probably I would say probably like 11 of them were off my fastball, mm-hmm. probably 10 or 11. And that's supposed to be my best pitch. So obviously I'm just not locating it well enough. Um, you know, I kind of ran into a point in the, in the season in high where I was just leaving everything up mm-hmm. and I wasn't getting the fastball down. So their eye level was just not changing at all. So, you know, you see one up there, 
where it's hard to, it's hard to hit sometimes, but if I, if you're not, um, if the hitter is not respecting that you can go down in the zone, they're not even going to look down there. Yeah. So they were just all over, all over up in the zone, um, middle, middle, all that, <laughs> all that good stuff. And they were just ambushing it. So, um, you know, in double A, I kind of, you know, started throwing more, um, more breaking balls, more changeups or whatever, but also I was commanding my fastball a lot better um, and putting in spots where it wasn't really going to get hit out of the park. So my, my uh, like thought process was my misses, I'd rather miss in a good spot rather than over, back over the plate where it's going to get hit over the fence. So, um, you know, that was, that was, so if I'm trying to go outside, I'd rather miss off the plate a little rather than a little to the other side. And it's just right down the middle. Um, and that was the biggest thing for me, just better misses, um, and better command. It's funny because watching back at some of your starts and, and we're going to go over some of this, uh, on video on, on StreamYard, which people can see on YouTube just for a few minutes to go over some of those pitches, something that stood out to me, especially to your glove side, uh, was that that ability to, you know, nibble at the corner or when you were missing, just missing a little bit off the, the outside of the plate to a right-handed hitter, uh, but like a good setup for the slider as well. Your fastball tends to run arm side, right? And uh, mm. is that something that also makes it hard when you're trying to pitch away to righties that it might run back over the middle of the plate? Is that something that's a little bit difficult? Because sometimes it's going to run a little bit more than others, right? How, how do you account for that as a pitcher who gets that natural arm side run? Yeah. You know, it's for me, you know, it's kind of weird because sometimes it does that. Sometimes it runs. Sometimes it's, it has that movement. Sometimes it has like a little cut. Just, I think the way that it comes off my fingers or whatever. Um, but a lot of times when I'm getting out to glove side and it's a good glove side pitch, then my extension is really good out here. So usually I'm not going to come off the ball like that if I'm getting it all the way out here. It'll be like usually when I miss arm side or it runs more arm side, I'm letting it go more back here to where it kind of just runs off runs off on me. Um, so for me, like when I'm pitching to a righty and I'm trying to go outside um, and, I, and it's a good one, it's usually not going to run back. Um, but for me, it's just the focus is on getting it, getting extended um, and finding that release point. And that's kind of what you work on in the bullpen to make sure that you have that release point so it doesn't run back to the middle of the, middle of the plate when you're trying to get over there. You talk about sometimes cutting your pitch a little bit, and that's how some of the best cutters have been discovered is, is kind of mm-hmm. by accident. Have you ever thought about playing around with, with a cutter or playing around with a little bit more of a riding fastball or uh, do you kind of like the way it is now with, with the way you have your heater? Yeah. I mean, I kind of like the way it is now. Um, but you know, I'm always trying like just messing around during P during BP, just throwing a cutter, throwing whatever. And um, I don't know, it just hasn't been super consistent. I, I used to throw a cutter like, in high school. Um, but then it kind of turned into a slider and that's where my slider is now. So. Yeah. And, and that, that. <laughs> that's one of your best pitches as well. I mean, it's, it's the fastball slider that, you know, especially in the Cape Cod league, I mean, that that's what a lot of, a lot of teams were, were coming out there to, to check out. Right. I mean, that slider's always been 
I always get it confused. Curveball or the slider was always your better off-speed pitch earlier on. Because now I would I would argue that yeah. they're both right there. Yeah. What was I'd your better s- pitch earlier on? So early on, like in high school and going into college, I really leaned on like my curveball because like I said, my, my slider was like a, a cutter. Um, but when I got to college, I started it started turning into a slider. So I had the slider and curveball. Um, so early on, it was probably curveball. And I always liked my curveball because I feel like I could, you know, I could command it better. It just felt more comfortable. Um, but then my sophomore, my, my junior fall at Ball State, um, we kind of just like banged the curveball. And we were just, just throwing the slider for like a month, month and a half, strictly sliders. And <clears throat> that's when it got really good. Um, when I kind of was just focused on that and focused on my release point and how my hand is, how it's coming out of my hand, how it's coming off my fingers. Um, and then that's kind of when it really took off. I was, I was throwing it really well, felt really comfortable with it. Um, and so that's kind of where it's at today. And, and, you know, I've worked the curveball back into the mix because it's a, it's a different pitch and it's slower and, um, you know, I feel like I can manipulate it enough to where it, it looks pretty different than the slider. And what I saw, you know, with you using that curveball was it seemed to be a pitch that you used effectively to steal some strikes early on as well. I mean, like a lot of guys were just spitting on that the second they saw it as a called strike in the zone. Is that a pitch that you feel like you could use a bit more to lefty since it's more vertical breaking? I know you're working on developing the change up and that's something that I'm sure uh, and we'll talk about is, is, is a point of emphasis as well. But that gives you a third look a third speed and a third, you know, just profile pitch wise. Is that something that you think could end up being your third pitch as more of a, a slower curveball that is more vertical breaking the lefties? Or uh, do you really feel like you need to have that change up in there as well? Um, I mean, so I, yeah, I was throwing the curveball a lot to lefties this year. Um, you know, it's kind of a better look than the slider where it's slider shorter and, and more horizontal where, Curveball was I was getting a lot of swing and misses versus lefties with that. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean I could definitely see it. It had good success against lefties this year, yeah. um, and I could see that going forward. But I really do think I need to need the changeup at some like if I want to be a starter for a long time. I feel like the changeup is very important, and you know the Marlins really um, really wanted to, to get that across to me that, you know, I need to change up, need to change up, need to change up. And it was just tough because like, I would I was never throwing a change up before. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I've, I've gone through a lot of grips. I feel really comfortable with one and I'm just throwing it every day now and it, it feels really good. So I'm hoping to just keep that going. And, and even against righties, like change ups, you're seeing right on right change ups like crazy nowadays. And, and it's because they're not looking for it. It's just it's just another trick and that you can pull out of your sleeve. So, you know, I'm, I'm uh, definitely want to develop the changeup for sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the hardest pitch to throw for like 90% of guys, right? I mean, it seems like that's – it's also the hardest pitch to hit. A well-executed changeup yeah. is, is absurd. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's across the board for pitchers. That, that's the hardest pitch to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, from my experience, yes, for sure. 
And I feel like it's, it honestly, I feel like starts at a young age because you start pitching and you want to, you want to do this. You want to throw the curveball. You want to throw the slider. So you're so, you're so, it's so natural to, to spin the ball like that. Whereas when you, when it's like this all the time, spinning, 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 and then you try to learn the change up, it's just kind of, kind of weird. Like it's not as much, I don't know. The pronation is definitely different than, than spinning a curveball. Um, so I feel like for a lot of people and for me, I guess it's, it's just a really different feel and it's just going to take time. And I mean, you've only had one professional season under your belt and to make it up to double A is, you know, really, really exciting and and something that I'm sure you're geared up for going into next year. Right. Because, I mean, you finished the year with a good body of work in double A. It wasn't like you just got up there for one start. Now you you feel like you've probably got a decent amount of momentum. Now you're starting in double A next year and a a good start. You could find yourself in triple A before you know it. Uh, mm-hmm. how are you feeling heading into this new season? Obviously you're, you're in a new environment. Uh, you're, you're heading over to the Pittsburgh pirates, but I would say, you know, from, from the analyst side of just looking at every farm system, there is less arms in Pittsburgh. And, and I think there's a pretty direct path to, you know, being able to help sooner rather than later. Uh, obviously getting traded at any point is, is an emotional and, and crazy yeah. thing, but, are you, how excited are you for this new opportunity in an environment where, you know, they're trying to load up on pitching. I mean, they, again, they went after Kyle Nicholas for a reason. They needed pitchers. They needed pitchers with upside like yourself uh, and, and you're going to get every shot. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely exciting. You know, when I, when the trade first happened, I was kind of like, Oh man, I don't know. Like I was getting, I was getting comfortable with Miami. Like it, it had been a year and, you know, I was like, I liked all the, all the people, all the staff, all the players. And, and I was excited to get back to work with them. And then all of a sudden it's just like snap. And it's like, Nope, all that's gone. And now you got to do it all over again. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, like I'm I'm definitely excited. Um, you know, it took some time to, to kind of just process what, what was going to like, what was going on, what was going to happen in the future. Um, but now that, you know, I'm kind of back in a, in a good routine where I'm just getting ready for the season. And, you know, last season was different because I didn't really know what to expect going into a year, but now, you know, I can go into spring training at a new place and kind of expect, know what to expect at spring training and, and going into a season. Um, so it's, it's definitely exciting. As you said, Miami's loaded with arms. So, you know, but you know, the pirates, obviously they, they're going to have some good arms to uh, compete with, but you know, you control what you can control. That's, that's it. That's very, that's all I'm trying to focus on. Um, and just let everything take care of itself. And one guy though, that you do have uh, some familiarity with going back to the Cape Cod league, Nick Gonzalez, have, have you reached out to Nick or has Nick reached out to you since, since the deal or, uh, is there anybody else in the system you have ties to back from like ball state or are we starting like new kid at a new school and you don't know anybody? No, I, I know a couple. Well, um, I haven't talked to Nick yet, but, uh, Sean Sullivan's also with, Oh yeah. Sean from, is from the Cavaliers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's I, awesome. Yeah. I've talked to him a little bit. Um, so that's basically all I know. And I'm, I might know other people I don't really know yet, though, since I haven't been down there. But 
yeah, I'm excited to, you know, get to know more people and new people and just build new, new relationships too. So for pirates fans who might, you know, not know too much about Sean Sullivan, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we saw what he did in the Cape. He was, he shoved and he, he's young. He was probably one of the youngest yeah. guys in the Cape shoving yeah. you know, in some of the most important games. Uh, yeah. Well, you saw it firsthand. You were in the bullpen with him. You're talking to him all the time. Uh, what yeah. can you tell pirates fans a little bit about what they can expect from Sean Sullivan, who I think the guy just can pitch. Like he's just one of those dudes. that's just a pitcher. Yeah. Right. He's, it's, he's like one of those guys that it's like, all right, he's not going to throw a hundred right now, but he's just going to go out there and he's going to just pitch like exactly what you said. And he's a dog on the mound. Like he is a dog. So, you know, it was always fun watching him pitch and you know, you kind of get excited for days to, for those days where it's like, all right, we got Sully on the mound, like he's going to go shove and it's going to be fun to watch. So, um, yeah, he's definitely an exciting guy to, to have on your side. Yeah. What I loved about him from the, from the broadcaster side was how quick he worked. It was Mm -hmm. just, it was just one pitch, another pitch, another pitch. Is that something you look at on the mound in terms of tempo? I know you work exclusively out of the, out of the stretch now. And uh, I was going to ask you about that on, on, when we get to the video on StreamYard, but is is that something just to kind of keep your mechanics more, you know, under control? Uh, And on top of that, what's your kind of tempo idea when you're on the mound? Are you Mm -hmm. thinking about that at all? Um, You know, a little bit, you don't, really want to work too slow you know you don't want to bore everybody behind you and and kind of get them out of rhythm um but at the same time it's like all right I I got a job to do like I have to focus on making the best pitch that like for me and for everyone else so um it's kind of like finding a finding a happy medium um you know some people work quick quicker than others and um I want to say I'm I don't really know how fast I work, honestly, maybe like right in the middle. I know I'm not that fast, but I hope I'm not too slow, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it is important though to, to keep the fielders behind you in a rhythm. And talking about the Pensacola team, you know, there's, there was a lot of talent on that ball club uh, from, from Max Meyer uh, to Zach McCambly to of course, I mean, Jake Eater, before he went down and then, you know, offensively Peyton Burdick was having a great year, Blade finished strong, but on the pitching side, and of course, Griffin Conine uh, hitting 36 jacks last year. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was a fun team to watch. It really was. And, and on the pitching side, I mean, I I would put that rotation up with just about any rotation uh, in the minor leagues. Mm -hmm. And, that was something that I I felt like every day I I tuned in, you know, even if I didn't check the probables, it was going to be worth watching, you know, whoever was on the bump. Uh, How much did you guys kind of, I know I asked you about this in the Cape a while back about just being in a, in a bullpen or rotation. I guess more bullpen in the Cape where you're just surrounded by a bunch of dudes uh, and you can just kind of pick things off each other and and talk. I mean, what was that like? Did you have a similar environment in Pensacola, just having a bunch of dudes that can shove? Yeah, Definitely. Definitely, dude. I mean, those guys, every, it was like every night, it was just like, all right, like he's going to shove. Like, that's just what it is. And, and that's just who we, that's just who we were. It was like, all right, like we're going to go keep it a low scoring game, hopefully. Um, and then the bullpen, the bullpen too, you know, there, our bullpen was nasty. And there, you know, I don't know if there's, they didn't have any Max Meyer type names back there, but those dudes were nasty and they could shove it. So 
um, it was, it was always fun just seeing how, how the starters were going to do. And then, you know, who, who was going to get the ball next. And it was, it was always fun to, to see who came trotting down and, um, how he was going to work. So it, it was definitely fun. And going all the way back to ball state. I mean, ball state has for, for the school, <laughs> you know, for a, you know, somewhat not the biggest school in the world compared to Vanderbilt and some others, it has produced a lot of legit talent, uh, especially mm-hmm. on the pitching side. You know, I, yeah, I'm sure I'll forget a few, but I mean, going to Zach Plesac, but then even yourself, you got Dre Jamison. Uh, there's so many, and I'm missing a few others off the top of my head, but that I'm sure yeah. you could fill in. <laughs> so many pitchers out of Ball State. What can you attribute that to? Uh, and and how well are they just developing pitchers out there? It's it's pretty special, honestly, when you look back at it. Um, obviously police acts in, in the league now, um, Chase McDermott is another one that yeah. came in. So me, him and Dre were all in the same recruiting class and now we're all <laughs> minor league first round, second round, third round. So, um, you know, it's, it's, that's pretty special part of it. I feel like coach, uh, coach Maloney has a really good eye, I think for, people who are going to be late bloomers. Um, you know, he, he kind of sees guys with, you know, maybe not as much muscle on them or, you know, kind of the tall lanky guys that, um, you know, he meets them, meets their personality, knows kind of what they're going to do, how hard they're going to work, um, sees how fast their arm is, whatever. Um, and then they get there and, and we just, they just develop them. So, um, that was kind of the case with me and, and Chase as well. Honestly, Dre too, um, where we just kind of got there and came together. We all knew what we wanted to do. We wanted to go win a championship, but we also wanted to go play the next level. So, you know, we kind of bought in and and we just trusted the coaches and, um, you know, what they wanted they wanted the best for us too. They wanted co- – my our coach knew my goal was three years and out, like – three years and, and get drafted. So, you know, he did anything um, he could to help me with that. And, and it's honestly just a lot of it is the, is the coaches. And I had uh, two pitching coaches when I was there. One is now the pitching coach at Indiana. Um, and he helped me a lot gaining velo. Um, I, I made a big jump in, in college. And then the one that's there now, Larry Scully, he helped me a lot with finding the zone and, and throwing strikes. So, you know, I, I just attribute all of, a lot of this success to all the coaches that, um, that are there. I mean, it's amazing when you can do that with a program and identify those guys. So I would say you would, you would call yourself a late bloomer. Yeah, definitely. I, I think when I, when I committed to Ball State, I was throwing like 84 to 86. Wow. Um, uh, but yeah. you were playing multiple sports, right? I mean, back to high school, yeah. you, you played basketball. Did you play football as well? No, I didn't. Just I basketball. Sh- and yeah. and you played with Dylan Dingler, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. So, so what position did you play in basketball and, and what position did Dingler play? I was – so we were both guards. Um, I was like the shooting guard. He was, uh, he was like the sixth man. He was the first guy off the bench our senior year which is crazy to say because of how good of an athlete he is, but he would just come in and just be a dog on defense, just guard the best player. And um, he was like a two or a three as well, but um, that was definitely fun in, in basketball senior year. <laughs> so, 
So, and you guys obviously played played baseball together as well, right? I mean, that's a guy that you were mm-hmm. pitching to in high school. Um, yep. And I mean, that that's a wild, uh, you know, just small world type of thing yep. where you're pitching to a guy that now ends up being a really high end prospect as well behind the yep. dish. He had a great year, made his way to double A mm-hmm. as well. Uh, how often do you guys keep in touch? And uh, is that somebody that at some point you would love to potentially be able to pitch to, you know, yeah. who knows in what context, but uh, right. it'd be pretty darn cool to see. Yeah, dude, we, we keep in touch a lot. He's, I mean, he's been one of my good friends since third grade. So, um, you know, we grew up together playing sports together. Um, and he's just a, a great player, a great friend, great guy. So, you know, he, I was excited to see, um, that he had a really good year and it was fun to follow him. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was kind of, kind of nuts when like, cause he, see, he ended his junior season at, at Ohio state, like on a tear, he hit like four homers in like the last five games. And then his stock just like shot up. So it was kind of, it was kind of nuts. Cause we both came home after, after our season ended and both of our names were just kept going up the draft boards and we were like, wow, this is kind of crazy. Like this is actually going to happen. And just to wrap up there, I want to talk a little bit about the draft day uh, for those who might not have heard our first interview uh, going back on, you know, the locked on Marlins podcast a while back. Jeez, uh, it's almost like two years ago now, which is crazy to think about. Um, yeah. W- what was that whole draft day like for, for yourself? Obviously it was a weird one uh, in 2020 shortened draft. You had a good, idea that your name was most likely going to be called, but there's always just that weird voice probably in the back of your head, knowing that there's only five freaking rounds this year. Um, But then also like your friends too, right? I mean, you had a lot of friends like Dylan, like others that, you know, you want to see get selected as well. Mm -hmm. But what was that process like for yourself? And then also just, you know, watching for some of your friends potentially. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just nerve wracking. That's like the biggest thing I can say. The first day, you know, the first day was only, um, the first round. So I wasn't, you know, I was watching it, but I wasn't like actually watching it. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not really expecting to go this today, but, um, I thought Dylan might go. So that's kind of what I was watching for. Um, he didn't. And the next day he was the first pick of the, yeah. of the second day. So, I mean, that was fun. That was a good start to the day, kind of ease the nerves a little bit, but then it was, it was going it, like my mind was going crazy just seeing all the pit like pitcher 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 i'm like oh no like this is crazy but you know finally my name was called and obviously some of the other guys like from the from the kotua team um saw them get drafted so that was always that was always fun watching their name go up say like, oh that's awesome so um yeah it was definitely nerve-wracking but a lot of a lot of highlights from that night for sure um, and to wrap up here before we make the quick jump to uh, StreamYard for a few minutes, uh, what, what's your biggest focus heading into 2022? And, you know, what are you, what are you most excited about? Yeah, I'd say my biggest focus um, that I was focusing on, like, this offseason was just staying durable the entire year. That That season last year was the most I've ever thrown, like, in a long period of time, like, throughout a season. So, you know, we were talking about my velo going up and down, up and down. You know, my focus is just staying the same the whole year. Um, you see, you see guys in the bigs like Garrett Cole, he's throwing 97 the entire year. And it's like, all right, like 
I can do that for like a month, but like, I want to be able to do that for the entire year like that. So, um, you know, that was just my biggest focus and working out, getting my body right, eating right, doing all that stuff. So, um, that's been my biggest focus and, um, just excited to see, you know, how it plays out. I am as well, man. And I, and I know you, you got a lot of momentum and Pirates fans are going to be really excited to, to see you throw and are going to come to like you very quickly. Uh, can't wait to watch. And I know it's going to be a really fun year for you. And hopefully, I mean, the good thing is the minor league side. We know when that's starting. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, it would be nice to, to see you in big league camp and get an opportunity there. But uh, yeah. at least we know when you'll be pitching in the minor leagues, I will be out there to watch at some point and uh, we'll be obviously rooting you on along the way, but dude, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And we'll make the jump to StreamYard. But again, thanks for, for hopping on the podcast and we'll have to circle back during the season when you're sustaining 97, uh, <laughs> you know, 80 innings into the season. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.